Hello, my name is Anthony. You are listening to the Ton of Questions podcast. The goal here is to answer questions for those who are curious and to spark curiosity in the minds of those who are not, who may be listening. Have you got a question? Let me know. Let's get started. Drones, small unmanned aerial vehicles, small unmanned aerial systems. This will sound similar to our nuclear episodes, but the sentiment is still the same. With drones, some people love them, some despise them, but no matter what camp you reside, they are here to stay. They are everywhere. They are helpful, fun, save money, reduce risk for people. What are your thoughts? Welcome to the Ton of Questions podcast. This is episode 16, the second episode in this multi-part series on small unmanned aerial vehicles. I am Anthony and I will be your host today. And we are going to have a fast-paced, high-altitude discussion on drones. High-altitude, get it? Pun? Haha. Let's get started, shall we? I said in the first episode of the series, but it is important enough that it bears repeating, your drone is not a toy. It represents a risk to yourself, bystanders, nearby infrastructure, and national security. Do I think all drone regulations are legitimate and should stand as they are? That is a big, fat, hairy, it depends. You see, that's a hard question to answer. When we're talking about drones, what do we mean by that? What are they? And what are they not? Where does the pursuit of happiness of a drone pilot end and a government's responsibility to protect itself and its citizens begin? Where does the First Amendment rights of a drone pilot stop and another person's right to privacy begin? This is part four, the law and the liability. Before I even get started into this section, I want to be very clear. While I am an FAA certificated part 107 pilot with quite a bit of experience, many flight time hours, I am no attorney. And in this podcast, I am simply relaying my experiences in the field. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as training or advice, legal or otherwise. I am not an attorney, and nothing in this podcast is meant to be legal advice. A simpler way to cover all of these bases is to say, hey, y'all, this is for entertainment purposes only. I'll start by saying that I am not a fan of laws that mimic other laws. For example, let's take driving, for instance. It's against the law to drive erratically, to swerve over the lane or divider lines, or to endanger others. But now, it's against the law in many places to use your cell phone while you're driving. Do I think people should be messing with their phones while they're driving? No. Do I think there should be separate laws that duplicate other laws? No to that too. If I've got a law that says I can't drive erratically, that should cover it when I'm using my cell phone and driving erratically. Let's go back to my original statement. Your drone is not a toy. Drones can fly at heights that put manned aircraft at risk of collision. Drones can fly at heights that can put manned aircraft at risk of collision if either the drone pilot or the manned aircraft pilot are not following the regs. Drones can fly in locations that if they failed or the pilot made an error at the controls could crash causing potential damage or even worse, injuries to people. Drones can crash into nearby buildings, electrical substations, motor vehicles, all of which could start an ugly chain of reactions and terrible outcomes. On the other hand, 
operation of a drone can and often does fall under the whole right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness thing. Here's the dilemma, the question I am out to explore in this episode. Where does the pursuit of happiness end and the government's responsibility to protect itself and its citizens begin? That is the question. It's a very difficult question if you ask me. It depends on the viewpoints of legislators involved. All the legislators need to do is enact a law, and I'm going to get into the Idaho State Statute 21213 here in a little bit. All they have to do is enact a law that says, hey, this or that or the other thing is illegal. It's illegal to wear a purple t-shirt backwards on Tuesday. And if I wore my purple t-shirt backwards on Tuesday, I'd be violating the law. I'd become a lawbreaker. Getting back to the point, it depends on the viewpoints of the legislators involved. It depends to a certain extent on the constituents of those legislators, too. Of course, the Constitution is the governing document, but politics plays a role here, too. I live in Idaho, a rather conservative state. The great state of Idaho, however, has Idaho State Statute 21213 titled Restrictions on the Use of Unmanned Aircraft Systems. It is a rather restrictive document and a little bit too much on the big government side of town, if you ask me. I see a few issues with the statute. I get the intent. Don't be flying your drone to spy on your neighbor having a pool party or whatever else your neighbor might be doing. But things can get complicated in a lot of people's minds if I'm flying a professional mission. Let's say that you are my client and you hired me to photograph your home for that real estate listing that you've been creating. Your backyard neighbor's house is right behind you to the south. It's a good assumption to say that not everyone has studied Idaho State Statute 21213. It is very likely that your neighbor does not have a full understanding of that law. It is a possibility that your backyard neighbor to the south has a very incorrect understanding of how things, quote, should be, unquote. Disclaimer, I know we all have certain levels of privacy expectation. I get that. Let's put the conversation on hold for a quick second and talk about that side question. What is a legal right to privacy? If I'm walking down the street and you take a photograph or a video of me, legally speaking, there is nothing that I can do or say. You do not need my, air quotes, permission or my, air quotes, authorization to take that photo. You do not even need my permission or authorization to put that picture or video online. That may come as a surprise to more people than I ever expected based on several YouTube videos and YouTube channels that I've watched. The confusion on this has to do with what is done with that photo or video. If I include video of you in public where you have no expectation of privacy in a YouTube video that goes viral, you have no legal leg to stand on against me for doing that unless, unless my video of you implies you are representing or endorsing a product or something like that. If I take your video and lip sync you endorsing my guy for the upcoming political election, now I can be in hot water. But if my video shows you walking down the sidewalk on Main Street, and I don't imply in any way that things are different than what they are in real life, then I'm fine. We have no expectation of privacy in public. Then think First Amendment. There's a topic for another podcast. I'll include a little bit here, but let's stay on this, on this thought. So do I have an expectation of privacy in, quote, my own backyard, 
unquote. That's the crux of this whole conversation. That's where we get sideways with the legislation that's been put in place. Let's go deeper. This privacy that I feel I have in my, quote, own backyard, unquote, can turn into a heated discussion. And I could argue both sides of the argument myself. I know how I feel about it. In fact, I remember before I became a drone pilot, I got all kinds of unhappy about a drone being flown in my neighborhood, flying directly over my house while we were working in our backyard. Some people get irritated enough to make threats. Oh, I'm going to blow that thing out of the sky. If you've ever had that thought, I'd recommend setting it on the side. Other people, I'm going to go find that guy and you know what and, and this and that. And there's apps that will receive information that legal drone pilots are required to transmit that would allow that irritated person to go find that drone pilot and give him what for. But what does the law say about this? Well, that goes way above my pay grade. I am no attorney, but I can say this. There have been a couple of cases. One particular one was a landmark decision by the Supreme Court in 1967. Charles Katz, petitioner versus United States, was largely a Fourth Amendment issue, but I'll explain in a minute why I'm starting here. In that case, Charles Katz was alleged to be involved in illegal gambling activities and used a payphone booth outside of his apartment. Remember, this is 1967. He was unaware that the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, began investigating him and it was recording his side of the conversation while he was in the enclosed phone booth. The FBI was using a covert listening device attached to the outside of the phone booth. The FBI used the recordings as evidence in a trial that Katz was subsequently convicted. On appeal, the Court of Appeals affirmed the conviction. It went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court disagreed, holding that the petitioner's Fourth Amendment rights were violated because he had a reasonable expectation of privacy in the enclosed phone booth. But why am I talking about Katz versus United States when the U.S. held that the FBI violated his constitutional Fourth Amendment right? The answer to this question is because Katz versus United States started the wheels of justice rolling into the subject of what, quote, reasonable expectation of privacy, unquote, means. This question brought on what has become known as the Katz test, which has become very important in light of technological advances and the government's increased capability for surveillance of personal data. According to Wikipedia, their article on expectation of privacy in the United States there are two types of expectations of privacy. Subjective expectation of privacy, a certain individual's opinion that a certain location or situation is private, which varies greatly from person to person. Objective, legitimate, reasonable expectation of privacy, an expectation of privacy generally recognized by society and perhaps protected by law. A person cannot have a reasonable expectation of privacy for things that have been put out into the public space. I cannot expect any right to privacy talking to another person while I'm standing on a subway platform in Grand Central Station during the rush hour commute. My private residence, a hotel room, even a public place that has been set up to ensure privacy. Think of a rented room at a hotel for the purposes of a business meeting, public bathrooms, and yes, 
phone booths. So when we're looking at whether or not we have an expectant right of privacy, it is the objective, legitimate, and reasonable expectation of privacy that would be generally recognized by society that we need to use as a basis of our determination. Now, let's move from Katz back in 1967 to Riley in 1989. State of Florida versus Riley was a United States Supreme Court decision that held that police officials do not need a warrant to observe an individual's property from public airspace. Pasco County Sheriff's Office received a tip that Michael Riley was growing marijuana on his five acres of rural property. The Sheriff's Department investigated him. A deputy used a helicopter and was able to see into the greenhouse through open roof panels and able to determine that marijuana was growing in the greenhouse. Riley successfully argued that the aerial search violated his reasonable expectation of privacy and his Fourth Amendment rights. Florida Second District Court of Appeal disagreed. The Florida State Supreme Court agreed with Riley and overturned the Court of Appeal. Then it went to the U.S. Supreme Court, which reversed the decision of the Florida Supreme Court with a four-vote plurality, arguing that the accused did not have a reasonable expectation that the greenhouse was protected from aerial view, and thus that the helicopter surveillance did not constitute a search under the Fourth Amendment. This is where we have to pay very close attention. This was 1989. The court did not rule that searches of private property by aerial inspection was allowed, noting that it was, quote, of obvious importance, unquote, that a private citizen could have legally flown in the same airspace. Vital to the court's ruling was the fact that the helicopter did not interfere with the normal use of the property. So if the Supreme Court ruled that there is not an expectation of privacy from the air, and Michael Riley's conviction was upheld by the United States Supreme Court, then how do we arrive at Idaho State Statute 21213? This question is further solidified in my mind with California v. Saraolo, C-I-R-A-O-L-O, about three years previous to Riley. This case was also a marijuana case in Santa Clara, California, Santa Clara police sent officers in a private airplane to fly over and take aerial photographs of a property from an altitude of 1,000 feet above ground level. Sarah Olo was found guilty. California Court of Appeals reversed the decision saying it was an intrusion into the curtilage of his home and therefore a violation of his Fourth Amendment right. The United States Supreme Court reversed the California Court of Appeals in a 5-4 majority. In arguing that Sarah Olo did not have a reasonable expectation of privacy, Powell notes, the actual risk to privacy from commercial or pleasure craft is virtually non-existent. Travelers on commercial flights as well as private planes used for business or personal reasons normally obtain at most a fleeting, anonymous, and non-discriminating glimpse of the landscape and buildings over which they pass. The risk that a passenger on such a plane might observe private activities and might connect those activities to a particular people is simply too trivial to protect against. So one could argue that a drone could get much closer, be piloted by a person that knows the people of that address, but 
Let's talk Google Maps, shall we? I can go onto Google Maps and see the craziest level of detail of my house, of my neighbor's house, of my coworker's house. All I need to know is where they live. So how is it that satellite photography is not held to the same standard that a drone pilot is? Getting back to the example I started earlier, I'm a drone pilot here in Idaho. You hire me to take aerial images of your home for that real estate listing that you're working on. And while flying the mission, photographing your home, your neighbor's home is also included in the picture. Their backyard butts up to your backyard. I'm taking an image from 300 feet above ground level from your front yard. Yeah, their backyard will be in view. Let's look at the statute. Idaho Statute 21.213, subparagraph 2, subparagraph A, subparagraph little i says, No person, okay, so that fits the description of me as your hired drone pilot. It also goes into no um, entity or state agency, none of which apply, but no person. So, So it's already talking about me. Shall use an unmanned aircraft system to intentionally, yep, that's me, I am intentionally doing this photography. Conduct surveillance of? Nope, not doing surveillance. Gather evidence? Nope, not gathering evidence either. Or collect information? Oh, okay, so here's where it sucks me in even further. Yep, I am collecting information about your house. You are my client, and it is your house that I'm specifically targeting. So I'm good to go there, but I'm also gathering information about the environment around your home. Your neighbor's home is right behind you. This is where your neighbors can get heated because from their perspective, they don't know you hired me to specifically photograph your home based on our written legal binding contract. All they know is that there's a drone flying over there and it's pointed in their direction. The only thing on their mind is, what's that thing up to? Now, with current FAA regulations, my drone, in order to be compliant, and it is, is required to transmit a user ID and telemetry data that will that will tell the holder of an app specifically designed for drones where the drone is and where it took off from. That is problematic. If a user of one of those apps is applying a subjective expectation of privacy and getting angry about things, and this user of the app wants to take things to the next level, wants to take things into his own hands, then he or she can come right over to where I took off from and find me. Well, why don't you take off and then move to a new location? Well, there might be a time when I would do that. However, to do that as a matter of practice, uh, that's problematic because that's one more thing I need to think of. And I also believe that with certain drone manufacturers, I am under the impression that the location on the app will update the location of the pilot. Sirens are going off in my head right there. Plus, that is just one more thing that I as a pilot would need to focus on in addition to all of the other matters that I need to be focused on. Specifically, and most importantly, safety. How about we say that if you are outside and you can be photographed by a satellite, then you have no reasonable expectation of privacy. I don't want to turn this into a bash Idaho State Statute 21213. But I cannot have this conversation without mentioning 212132AII or 2B. 212132AII is too slimy. I don't even really want to venture here. Why would a law specifically call out that I can't photograph 
a farm, dairy, ranch, etc., agricultural industry, commercial or industrial property without written consent. I guarantee the satellites that take pictures for Google Maps does not need to have written permission from these people. Why did those categories get added to this list? If you're curious about this, send me a message on my website, tonofquestions.com. Click on the Leave Voicemail link and send me a message. Let's delve into 21.213.2.B or Bravo. No person, entity, or local, state, or federal agency shall use an unmanned aircraft system to photograph or otherwise record an individual without such individual's written consent for the purpose of publishing or otherwise publicly disseminating such photograph or recording. That's very interesting to me. No person, entity, or local, state, or federal agency. I get the law enforcement stuff. That's government. But no person, that's me or that could be you. If I take a picture of you walking down a city street with my handheld camera, no big deal. I can do what I like with it as long as I don't imply you are endorsing a product or a political candidate or basically doing some, I'm implying something is real when it's not. If I take that same picture of you with my drone walking down that same city street, now I am in violation of 21.213.2b. As written, the drone doesn't even technically need to be flying. As commercial drone pilots, sometimes we use our drones in what we call handheld mode. We might be taking pictures or video, but the drone isn't flying. We're just holding the drone and moving it along. But if I take your picture with my phone or my DSLR, no big deal. Here's another angle to think about. If the camera is part of a drone, then it is technically, the way I read, a statute violation. But what if I'm using, say, a GoPro-style camera on the drone? One minute it can be flying, carrying that GoPro camera, and I'm taking pictures with it. So if I take a picture of a person and I put it on the internet, I have violated 21.213. Then I land my drone. I unsnap the GoPro from that drone and I hold it up and I take another picture of that person walking down that main street. No violation. Let's bring it back to that pesky critter called the First Amendment. I'm not advocating that we use drones to be obnoxious or to spy or violate privacy. I know that there needs to be a divider between what is legal and what is not. I've not received a report like this firsthand from somebody that it happened to, but I've heard of lots of people say, oh, so-and-so saw a drone hovering outside their bedroom window. Or, oh, so-and-so had a drone hovering over their backyard at nighttime. I don't know anybody who specifically had that issue. I did have a drone flying over my house it was flying over the whole neighborhood. Somebody was just out there having a good time with it. I get that. Again, I'm not advocating that we use drones to spy or violate privacy. But we need to define what privacy is. What are your thoughts on this? Leave me a voice message through my website. What solutions are there? What position do you hold? I don't want to have people's 
right to privacy violated. However, I am advocating that the rights of drone pilots not be violated. Here's where the problem lies. People are people, and if limits are not placed, then those limits that don't exist will absolutely be violated. And when I say limits, you could apply that to what a person is allowed to do. But being the constitutionalist that I am, I believe that limits were placed on the government in the form of the Bill of Rights. The First Amendment actually has several parts to it. Can you name those parts? How many have you thought of? Here, I'll run through them. Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. So that's the first part of the First Amendment. Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech. Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of the press. Congress shall make no law abridging the right of people to peaceably assemble. Congress shall make no law to prevent the people to petition the government for redress of grievances. So which one of these is at odds? Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of the press. Well, what makes somebody a member of the press? Yes, everybody can be a member of the press. That was one of the foundations of this country. I could easily jump off the path onto a First Amendment rant, but I'm not going to do that, at least not in this episode. The point is, the point that I'm making here is that the Bill of Rights does not give us anything. The Bill of Rights was written to tell the government that they cannot, that they cannot take certain things away from us. Those things are our rights. I've been going a little bit long on this, so I'll continue the thought process in our next episode. As I mentioned in all of my episodes, I am asking you to reach out to me if you would like to be a guest on a future episode of the podcast regarding this or any other topic for that matter. You can ask questions about the content that we've covered so far, or if you're knowledgeable on the subject, I welcome you to add to what I've said or even to oppose what I've said. I'm always open for a good discussion. I would love to have you share your knowledge, thoughts, feelings, beliefs, opinions, and or even your fears about drones. To contact me to make arrangements to be a guest on the Ton of Questions podcast, simply head on over to my website, www.tonofquestions.com. Click on the button that says voice message, record the message, click send. I'll receive an email with a link back to your voice message and I can listen to it and we can go forward from there. All right, I'm going to call this a wrap. And with that, I'm going to close out and wish you a wonderful rest of your day or night, as the case may be. This has been an episode of the Ton of Questions podcast. I hope you've enjoyed our time together. If you have any feedback, I'd love to hear it. Head on over to www.tonofquestions.com. Leave me a speak pipe message to share your thoughts. It's as simple as leaving a voicemail. Thanks for listening and come back soon.